Welcome to another episode of Philam Creative Voices. We are your hosts, Walter Talents and Arlene Delapena. And today we are having an awesome guest, and we have Rachel Laco. Yep, we have Rachel Laco. She is a YouTuber, producer, filmmaker, actress. Before we get into Rachel Laker, I just really want to give a shout out to the people who watch Voices. Um, you know, like I'm so flattered by some of the the notes they, that you guys have put on the comment section, whether it's YouTube, iTunes, uh, or Google Play. Like, I just want to say thank you guys, and I I personally want to read some. I don't know if you want to read any that yeah, we have here. Yeah, go for it. Um, I just gotta do this one though. <laughs> Yo, Dave. Or do you want to stay? Dave, do you want to go a shorter one? You write some paragraphs. <laughs> it's awesome. This is from Dave Cosa Will Waco, and I just want to say thank you because here's what he has to say. Thank you guys for setting up the Philam Voices. I went to an alumni meetup in LA where they had a bunch of students who recently graduated from my alma mater in San Diego, listening to a panel of successful alumni in the film industry. However, the general makeup of the panel was not diverse. I met a few students that were Filipino but were interested in fields I don't have knowledge on in the entertainment industry. Thanks to this podcast, I am able to share the knowledge of a diverse amount of career paths for those that just graduated and wonder what they should do in the future. What a great timing and moment for Philam Creative to be a voice for the next generation of Filipinos. Dave Cosa will Waco. Dave, thank you. Thanks, Dave. Uh, I don't know if you want to read any other ones. Yeah, I mean, we have other comments from Anjali. Great video podcast, y'all. Uh, from Rachel, I love y'all. I love this, y'all. Manny all the way. Uh, I get personal messages from a bunch of other people as well. And so, um, yeah, it, it's been phenomenal to have all these supporters and people thanking us for our content. So keep on watching, subscribing, and sharing everything that we have to offer, guys. I really like uh, Molly Wang's uh, comment one month ago. She goes, <laughs> woot woot, first. <laughs> there you go. And then in iTunes, uh, if you want to read that one. Oh, this is from Lin Zhu. Great job, great chemistry between hosts and guests, entertaining and informative. Again, we'll read some more in the future. Thank you guys for writing comments. Please continue to uh, write comments on iTunes, on Google Play, and on YouTube, and tell us what you think of the show. Uh, and because we appreciate the support, you know, especially you talk about how great Arlene looks, and but Always, most guys. mostly just Always. talk about how awesome I am. That's I have helpful. hair for the both of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and okay, so going back to Rachel, like how you're, you know her. You know her pretty well because you've seen her. Well, you've seen some of her shows and uh, on her YouTube, right? Uh, yes. So I was very fortunate enough to see Bicultural, which is a film that she had uh, in Outfest, and it's it's a phenomenal film. I feel like it speaks volumes to multiple generations and just U.S. wide. I think it's great. We'll have her to discuss a little bit more about it. She has so much to offer, you guys. She not only has these wonderful articles and blogs that she's written uh, that's made it onto Huffington Post and and um, other uh, media platforms, but she she discusses something that's so important, especially with the recent suicides of um, Anthony of, Bourdain. Of Anthony Bourdain. Um, by the way, it's his birthday today. Oh, is it? I don't know if any. Wow. 
I don't have to cut that part. That's okay though. Rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain, and and Kate Spade. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's so important that we discuss things of about mental health and how that affects people and how to navigate through that. And especially with being Filipino American. I don't feel like we talk about it as much. Yeah, um, I mean, I think in just the Asian American or Asian community for sure, in general, for sure, it's always been taboo. It. And as a um, as a veteran working with many of our our soldiers coming back from theater from war, um, you know, I I had the honor of of serving our country by taking care of all these soldiers coming back and during deployment. And so, uh, mental health the awareness of it has greatly impacted my life and I'm sure yours as well being a veteran and you know the industry that we're in it's powerful um yeah I mean I've had I've had I've been fortunate enough um to be able to get training and understanding it um you know I've my sister have had actually it was one crazy situation and I don't know if we'll get into it later but yeah I ended up having to call one of her friends who was an army vet and he was having uh, issues and she he was the, the way he was acting was kind of scaring her so you know she really asked me to give him a call and I feel like you know just someone to talk to like I think it really helped for him to just talk to me and just be able to relate um, because I just feel like it seemed like he didn't he wasn't getting that support or just getting to vent to with the people around him you know because this was like a phone call out in like Virginia or something like that um, so, and I've had, I've had, um, you know, girlfriends or ex-girlfriends who were, uh, bipolar and like, it took me, a, it took a while to, for me to understand that too. So, um, the, my journey understanding, uh, mental health has been, you know, it's, it's, it's been, I'll admit it's been difficult because, you know, it's one of those things that I don't, in earlier years, I don't think I really understood it. Like... And I can admit that now, like, because I was that Asian American or just in, that grew up in that Asian culture where you just don't talk about it or right. you're like, you know, that's just, you just suck it up. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's a big cultural shift right now with, you know, millennials, especially and uh, up and coming age groups where it's OK to talk about these things. And we should, because not every mental illness out there is the same. Everybody has their their uh, different uh, variables um, somewhere within their uh, within their illness and mm-hmm. different challenges. And I think it's great that we're going to be able to discuss these things today with Rachel and talk more about her filmmaking and life in general. Yeah. I'm excited. And I'm so excited to have Rachel, you guys. And after a word from our sponsors, we're going to come back with Rachel Laco and we're just going to have an awesome conversation with her. So come back. This episode is sponsored in part by Pizza Red. Pizza Rev serves award-winning, oven-fired, personal pizzas customized by you. Choose from a variety of thoughtfully sourced ingredients from locations all over Southern California and nationwide. Or heat up your next meeting, event, or podcast taping with Pizza Rev Catering. Pizza Rev. Eat well, be full, be revolutionary. This episode is sponsored in part by Cafe 86. Cafe 86 specializes in tea, coffee, and desserts, featuring ube, the distinctly purple Filipino yam. 
Come into any of Cafe 86 locations in Southern California and the newly opened location in Las Vegas, Nevada. Try their ube cracked cheesecake, turon pie tarts, and Voices Crew favorite, ube leche flan cupcakes. Cafe 86, tea, coffee, and all things a la mode. And welcome back to Film Creative Voices. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, Cafe 86 for the lovely desserts. And Pizza Rev for the awesome pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> Yum. <laughs> and as you guys can see, we are joined by Rachel Laco, filmmaker, YouTuber, actor, and producer. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. That was a lot of titles. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to scroll. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> This uh, whole thing is produced by me too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Damn. Lady Dot. Rodney's been replaced. <laughs> we still love you, Rodney. Um, last time I saw you, I think was the Kali Clash, right? Oh my gosh! Yes. Oh Wait, my God, I was going to ask it? you about that actually. Yes, Kali is so fun. He's a great instructor, actually. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Was it hard? I'm, no, it was really fun. But I mean, I only took one class, but I'm planning yeah. to come back, actually. I really oh, want to awesome. take it. Yeah, yeah I mean. Good workout. She was, uh, you, were, you, you were coordinated, like for, some, for someone who's never, you've never done it before, no, right? No, I haven't. Yeah, she was very coordinated. She, she followed instructions well. So, because <laughs> I, I, it's amazing, because you'll be surprised how difficult people find it sometimes, because. I mean, it looks hard. I'm sure if, when it's like more advanced, it gets harder, right? Yeah, and I think because people, it it gets into people's head because it's very there's geometry and math involved well, in a yeah. way. And like you have how to use angles. like everything. Yeah. yeah, and it's you're using your hands and feet. It's and people fun get though. Thrown. So you can fight. Yeah, you want to see? She'll yeah, I do. <laughs> She'll cut somebody. <laughs> Start with Walter. <laughs> Start with <laughs> so, yeah, well, let's change subjects then. And, uh, enough about violence. Let's talk about, let's talk about your films. Uh, mm -hmm. let's, let's start with uh, Bicultural. Okay, Bicultural. Um, how's, how's that going? Where is that playing or where is it going um, to play? Currently, um, so yeah, we are sort of wrapping up our film festival circuits run. Um, I plan to like uh, end it around October, which is kind of our anniversary because it's been like two years since we've wrapped filming. Uh, a year on just a festival run. Um, I'm so blessed and so fortunate that it was playing in London recently um, at their biggest LGBT film festival there. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, last year it was at Outfest and it was in numerous other like Asian American film festivals around the country. Um, and right now it is streaming on Reverie, which is an LGBTQ streaming service. So if you guys want to check that out, it is on Reverie and possibly on Seed and Spark soon too. Oh, cool. So, um, now for the people, can you give a quick synopsis? Um, yes, so Bicultural is pretty much my coming out story but even more like dramatized not everything there is like true um, very much inspired by like my life obviously but um it's basically about a filipino american who is really torn between her her faith and with her family um and then coming out to them or keeping her allegiance to her secret girlfriend that she has mm. yeah you guys uh, check it out it's a tearjerker so if you love those yeah Make sure you have tissues. <laughs> <laughs> Has your family seen Bicultural yet? Um, no. <laughs> they know about it. They definitely know about it. Um, I have yet to like show my mom because I don't really 
like, I don't know. I kind of don't want her to see it. But if she asks me, like, I'll show her. Um, but she hasn't, so that's fine. <laughs> it's totally okay. Uh, my, because, because you said it's, you know, it's it's very close to how you personally came out. Sort of. So, like, actually, I mean, this kind of ties in with my mental health journey as well. They're all kind of, like, aligned, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't come out until last year. So I oh my made, gosh, I really? made bicultural before I was even out with my family. So I was oh. kind of like half out of the closet. That's what I say. Cause I was out with everyone else. Like my family, I mean my family, my close family, like my sisters knew, my best friends knew everyone else, except for like my mom and my grandma who are like the most important to me. Mm-hmm. Obviously those are like, you know, the closer they are, it's like harder to come out. Um, but I have like this running joke <laughs> with, with my friends that I came out like, I had to come out like three different times because so first was I had to come out as a as an artist <laughs> because so my mom is a registered nurse uh-huh. and of course she wanted me to follow her path <sighs> and my first year in school I actually was trying to pursue nursing yeah and then like my after my first semester I said no I can't do this I hate blood I don't know why I I'm, I don't <laughs> know why I thought I could be a nurse but I was just doing it for my mom. Uh, so I came out to her like, um, yeah, I can't do this. I want to be an actress. I want to be a filmmaker. I want to tell stories. Um, so finally, she was like, okay with that. Thank God. And then the second time, second, third time, fast forward like a few years later, I came to terms with my sexuality. I'm bisexual. And, you know, that was something that I really struggled with. And that affected my mental health as well. I grew up in the church. So, of course, you know, that was like very much, you know, frowned upon. Um, so I had to deal with that, with my mental health, coming to terms with myself and accepting that. And then last year I was diagnosed with bipolar, mm. bipolar two, different from bipolar one. And I was still closeted. Like I still hadn't come out to my mom that I was bisexual. So there were like two things, you know, so I've, okay, great. Now I have these two big like burdens that I need to, you know, face. And, you know, obviously like for me, it was like, I was very afraid of that. Um, so how did kind of, you how did mm-hmm. you overcome that? Because that's that's like astronomical. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. Right, right. Um, it was it was tough. It was difficult. Like last year, honestly, was one of one of the worst years of my life. Like to be honest, it was just very much roller coaster. Like coming, first of all, me dealing with because last year I really planned to tell my mom mm-hmm. about my sexuality, and then early on in the year, I think it was like March is when I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder because of the fact that I was just having really extreme mood swings and I was like in the most like the worst depression of my life and I realized like um this is not just a regular at first I was like uh, throughout my life you know I've had these extreme mood swings but I thought oh you know especially as a teenager I thought oh it's just me being a teenager like I'm having Mm -hmm. mood swings hormonal changes whatever but like they persisted these cycles of like ups and downs and then yeah so I got to a point last year I was like I think I need I need to see someone I need to see, like what is going on here um but yeah so then that happened and then which it sucked the way that I kind of I didn't really come out to my mom because she found out that I had bipolar mm-hmm. um in the oh gosh it was like the worst uh so she so I was visiting home and I have I was taking my medication and she was uh, I was sleeping. It was like in the morning and then she was borrowing my car. So I left my medication in my car. Oh my God, oh. don't do that guys. <laughs> I left, <laughs> left my medication just out on the open there. And then she like barged into my room and was like, 
what is this? Oh my God. Like waving the my medication in the air and I'm just like, what's going on? What's, you know, I'm like waking up and she's like, what is, is this yours? Like it has your name on it. And I was like already planning, like I was getting so anxious and I was already planning to lie to her, be like, I don't know what that is. Like, whose is that? Uh, but I couldn't cause my name is on it. So. And isn't she a nurse? So like she's <laughs> right, right. And so I, I mean, I obviously couldn't lie to her. So I just said, yeah, that's mine. I was just, you know, diagnosed with bipolar. And there was like this just silence and I knew that at that moment she was just like you know shocked my mom is someone who like doesn't really show her emotions mm -hmm. obviously like we don't we don't talk about that in my family and right especially in the Asian American community like yeah. it's so taboo now, we don't. is was she more shocked that you were bipolar or that you didn't tell her I think both for sure you know I, I mean like m you know as a mother I'm sure like she first of all like would not have even like thought that of like, or, you know, as a mother, you wouldn't want that for your kids, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I think she was both like, yeah, shocked that I had that and shocked that I like kept that from her. Um, and I mean, is it something that's like, uh, that's already like in the family that in the past, they've something they've had to address in the past or, or something unique? I wish I knew because I mean, that's the thing is like, I don't know my family's mental health history because mm -hmm. we don't talk about it. Like I know for sure though, that my mom also has like, struggled with depression and and my dad has had you know issues of his own but like it was never discussed you could probably see the effects of it mm -hmm. but like you know we were just it's it's a shame right it's so stigmatized where is home for you um my family is in Eastvale, which is like Inland Empire okay. area, like next to Riverside. Gotcha. Um, whenever I say Eastvale, nobody knows. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? Next to like Cowtown, <laughs> it's Cowtown. Um, but yeah, so that happened and like, I was planning, I was, I had this whole plan of like coming out as bisexual first, because I thought that was gonna be harder. Mm -hmm. I was wrong, it was like totally flipped. They're like totally okay with me being bisexual. I was like, oh, thank God, like that's great. But <laughs> I thought, like I was having like this big scene in my mind, like, oh my God, this is what's gonna happen. They're gonna disown me, blah, blah, blah. But then it was so flipped and, it, and that to me was so interesting. And so like the fact that, that then I, then I, I, when I was like reflecting back on it, it kind of does make a little bit more sense in my mind of mm -hmm. like why my mom would react to me being bipolar worse than like me being bisexual because I think for her, you know, she, it kind of reflects on her parenting or she or so she thinks that it reflects on like, oh, did I, I raised my daughter wrong in a way, you know? Mm. And I think a part of it as a parent you know, because my son is four and a half right now, mm. right? Oh. And like, I mean, like he, the world is his for the taking. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, if I would question parenting. I think as a parent, I would think more so, how did I not know? How, yeah. how come yeah, I don't even too. know my own child? Definitely. And I think that is like something that would like kill me. Vincent, mm -hmm. don't ever lie to me. <laughs> I will find out. Oh, I will yeah. find out first. Well, that's the thing is like in our community in Asia, for specifically for like communities of color too, where <clears throat> this is so taboo. The thing is like, we don't talk about it within our own families enough. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think like that's where it starts. And, but that's the hardest, right? right? Because yeah, it is like, it's easier for me to like open up to my friends about this stuff and you know, which is great. But then like, it's so different when you're able to like go to your mom or go to your, go to your dad or grandparents, whatever to like actually, talk about your feelings, you know, and we don't show it, we don't talk about it enough. And I think that's why like, 
you know, for me, it was so difficult to like really understand what I, it, that, I think that's why it took me so long to understand um, what exactly it was that I was going through. If I knew, if I like kind of knew symptoms or I knew, I knew anything about mental health, I, prob- I probably would have like, like looked for help, professional help earlier, but I didn't, you know, until like my, until my early 20s. And there, there is a big difference with with bipolar one and bipolar yeah. two, two. Mm-hmm. and because I feel like the the folks that I know who have bipolar two, they definitely can mask it a lot better mm-hmm. uh, than than somebody with bipolar one. Yeah, and, and so like some of the differences is that like the the mood swings are in bipolar two are not as um, uh, they're not as like uh, at the opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, it's like a hypomania that you yeah. get uh, with bipolar two. So like, so. So are you talking about like the swing? Right, so like, <clears throat> so when someone's in their manic phase, I mean like, it's like, it's so uncontrollable, um, like that, that, that like high feeling where, like I know people who like, they literally oh, like yeah. blew through all their money, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they're they like, intense. they'll go to casinos, like sell their house, like lose everything. Wow. And it's like so uncontrollable. And that's mm-hmm. like that manic phase where they're just like, like a lot of impulsivity. Yeah, it's like just, it's completely yeah. impulsive. So yeah, that's that's bipolar one. Bipolar one is like more of the, It it's interesting to me like when, when people are like, uh, they ask me, or when they find out that I have bipolar two and they're just like, oh, that's like the less severe one. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> but also it's, like it it is true it totally is because for bipolar 2 it is that hypomanic is a little bit less than the mania you would experience for Mm -hmm. bipolar 1 but the thing too which really sucks for bipolar 2 is that we spend the most time in depression right Mm. so hypomania is like hypomania is great honestly um but so you feel amazing like you do but obviously like it's not good you need to be stable um but like we spend the most in depression, which is like the worst, it sucks. Um, but yeah, that's the thing that, it's really interesting when like people tell me like, oh, that's like the less severe. But the thing is like, they're both, I mean, all of it, not even just bipolar, like all mental illnesses, they are severe. Like these are like life and death, you know, type right. of uh, situations and like situations that you can get into. Um, so yeah, I mean like, it's it's a struggle, like especially like living with it and, and after, but there's a certain relief that comes when you're diagnosed too, because then, then you can seek proper treatment mm-hmm. and right. know, for me, it was a relief to, to have like a name for it. I mean, some people are like, oh, I don't need to be diagnosed. I don't need a name or a title or it's a label or whatever. But for me and for some other people I know, it's when you have, like you can take it as like a label, whatever. Yeah. But like when you know, for me, when I knew, I was like, okay, wow. So I am kind of correct and like there was something I knew that was not entirely right with me or there was something that I didn't understand about myself and then finally I was like okay I understand I mean um even going with that getting diagnosed and knowing Mm -hmm. what you can take I mean there's a whole debate about that also I'm sure about like getting drugged up for um but what are your thoughts on like even the people who think they can do solve it holistically or with you know non-medical um and i'm sure you know there's stuff out there i mean even me personally like anthony bourdain i was like really i'm a fan of his Mm -hmm. and i'm sad that and i got sad when i learned about the news because you know he 
he trains in jujitsu, you know, and mm. that's, I do jujitsu also. And, you know, and a lot of people uh, are, you feel like they've got, they've been saved in a way emotionally by mm. jujitsu or just doing the sport uh, or the martial art. You know, there's that. And then I also, you know, dated a girl who was, uh, had depression mm. and swung both, you know, one ways that she's great, happy, and mm-hmm. totally sad. Um, you know, and just her getting into yoga and stuff like that. Like, I guess my question is like, how, how, what's your, um, in your research or in your studies or just personally, like, how do you feel about that versus, you know, natural? Oh, I think it's all great. Like I, the thing is like, it does depend on the person. Um, and everyone with a mental illness, like someone else with bipolar two doesn't experience it in the same type of way that I experienced it. Totally. And so her treatment may be totally different from like my treatment. And it's like a mix of medication, therapy, um, having a great support system, doing yoga, whatever it is that like works for you. You know, I don't think there's like always this one type of like cure or one type of treatment for everyone. It's like totally different, but I, yeah, no, I think holistic, I would have loved to not, not be on meds. Another thing where, so when I started taking medication last year and then I got off them, one of the factors too was that my mom was so against medication, which is like actually interesting to me as like a registered nurse too. Mm-hmm. Um, she, for her in her, like in her mind, she said to me, I think like, oh, in passing, she was just like, no, you shouldn't take these because they'll just make you crazier. Um, and I thought that was like really interesting. I, I, I could kind of vouch for and, that. Yeah. Uh, so my background as a registered nurse, uh, I I was a burn trauma ICU nurse, right? And so a lot of the patients that I would see are the soldiers coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq. And of course, like you're dealing with like uh, polytrauma, uh, traumatic brain injuries, severe depression on top of if they have already um, another mental illness and <clears throat> You know, a lot of the drugs, they have a lot of severe side effects, too. And um, and you never know how one person is going to take it. It mm-hmm. could be the the dosage. It could be mm-hmm. that specific drug. They could have, be allergic to that drug. Like, And it's it's kind of fascinating because, like, you know, one drug where, like, people do really well on. Um, I, I've seen a guy totally hallucinate and mm-hmm. and all he needed was a hug. You know, like, he yeah. just needed, like, a simple, like, he just wanted to feel normal. And, yeah. like, there was... It was so difficult for him to uh, kind of articulate that, you know? And mm-hmm. so, like, they would just swear. <laughs> and then, so once well, you kind of get to know people and differentiate, like, yeah. what their need what is. And, need. and I think that's the thing. Like, yeah. we, we should get used to asking, like, what are your needs? Right. Because everybody... How can we support you? Right, because it's so different. Mm-hmm. And I, that's actually, that's an interesting point you just brought up. Because, like, before you came out here, I was telling her about this. Uh, my sister's friend, who was an Army veteran, he had PTSD and... Mm-hmm was acting i guess to my in my to my sister's description was acting all talking crazy like he was mm. just being what he was saying and doing was scaring her and he already like intentionally crashed his car into a tree before oh my gosh uh like got drunk and then mm-hmm. crashed his car and so he was kind of going around that same route again and my sister got really scared and one of the things that he did when i had the i gave him a call and just had a conversation with him like i think we talked for like 4 hours but during that conversation, that's one of the things he said, like the drugs that they had him on. Oh, yeah. Was they, making him feel weird, making uh, him think mm-hmm. weird. And, you know, and I and and I, I think it was that just talking about it and letting 
someone listen to him or like a fellow veteran uh, listen to him,、yeah. I think made him feel better, helped calm him down. And,、um, you know, just, and to me, I was just like, I'm, I told him, like, I'm not a doctor. I can't really speak for the drugs. But, you know, if you feel that way, you're, you know, then you have to figure out how to make it work.、Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just a long conversation. But that's a, that's a really interesting point that you bring up.、Um, and so I guess. With, within the Asian community, like Asian American community,、mm-hmm. even, or people of color, like, how do you think, or, and as a filmmaker, what is your, how do you want to, how do you feel like you can change that for the better?、Um, oh, well, I think, I mean, media is like, I think the best platform, you know, and this is why I chose to create stories. And it's not until really recently where I realized, like, okay, this is mental health specifically, I feel like is. So needed,、mm-hmm. and it's so, and that's why a bulk of my projects right now that I'm working on are centered on mental health and shedding light on that, breaking the stigma, and and just ma- not raising awareness, but also really the the core of it is like getting people to really understand. And I think stories are the best way for that because film and TV, we get to really dive into. The characters, their minds, and their journey, you know, especially like in TV, which is like really exciting. And that's why for me, I really love taking these characters into a journey. And so, specifically with like mental health,、um, with a series that I'm working on right now,、um, not Lady Parts, a different one called Crazy, <laughs> which is <laughs> you, yeah.、Um, but yeah, so, so projects like this, and I think like the media is such a great. Platform to reach the most audiences. And if we want to change the culture and if we really want to help spread awareness and prevent suicide and you know, these, these things from happening, like media is the best platform for sure.、Um, yeah. I, I think you're so articulate on describing what it feels like、uh, to, to be living, breathing, and really. Kind of navigating through、uh, your own mental illnesses, you know,、mm. and because、um, reading your blogs、uh, and the articles that I've seen on Huffington Post,、mm. and、uh, they're, they're so beautifully written. I really wish I could have like shared that with like <laughs> soldiers <laughs> that、oh, were my patients because、um, <clears throat> it's. It's written in such a way that I feel like anybody reading it is going to truly understand.、Mm-hmm. And I really liked how you kind of explained, like, you know, when you're in a depression, you know,、um, or even, you know, borderline, right?、Mm-hmm. Like, it, that feeling of, of the world is against you, like, everything's really falling、yeah. apart. Like, it's such like despair.、Yeah. And、I、it's had, not just sadness, it is like you are in this. Dark hole, and you are at the bottom, and you just cannot get out, even though you try and you try and you try. Yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. It's、yeah. fascinating the way that you, you write it out because it kind of brings anybody who's reading the article into, it, into your mind、mm-hmm. of how it, how it really works because it's not just a negative thought. You、yeah. know, and it's not like something like, oh, it'll be fine. Like, you can't just brush it off. Yeah. Like, it's, it's an illness.、Right. You know, it's like if somebody has heart disease or if somebody has diabetes,、mm-hmm. you, you find ways to, to deal with it.、Right. And I feel like mental illness should be looked at in that same way. Exactly. Where it's like, it's something that's a part of you. You are aware of it. Now you have resources. And、exactly. now you know how to kind of,、uh, you know, either get through the next、uh, obstacle or, 
who to turn mm-hmm. to. And, and I think that's why it's so important to keep discussing mental health. Yeah, I think um, that's another, I, I love that point too, because I mean, it's the mental illness is the same thing as having a physical il- uh, illness too. Like if, you know, the thing is you just can't see it. Right. You know, if I was walking around with like a broken arm People would be, you know, they would be like, oh, my God, how are you? How are you feeling? Are you okay? Do you need any help? How can I help you? Let me open the door for you. Oh, you can't get out of bed. Like, can can I get you some ice cream or, you know, stuff like that. And those are the things, the same things that would, you know, my friends do for me, even though, like, they can't see that I have, like, you know, a broken arm. It's like it's in my brain. You can't see it. And that's the thing that, like, what people with mental mental illnesses need. They need that support. You know, even even though you can't see it, it's it's yeah, it, it it's up to it's up to us with mental illness to like kind of it's also it's everyone's responsibility really. A part of a part of it too are like the people around us and the more that we're aware and the more that like we can see the symptoms, the more that we can help people, the more that we can understand where they're coming from. You know, because like if if a friend of mine were able to or let's just say like even like a stranger who has a mental disorder and their friend, you know, got to see, like got to see in a way where it was like, like I wish, I wish that like, in a way I wish that like, we had like signs in our heads that mm-hmm. were just like, hey, I have this, like, please help me. It's for someone with depression, like in the, when they're so low, it's so hard for them to ask for help. Mm-hmm. So then it is, you know, a part of it is up to you to kind of like see, oh my God, like there's something going on. Like you, now you need to go ask the questions, like be aggressive, like don't be afraid. I think that's the thing with our society too, is like we're afraid to address it because it's scary. Like we don't know how to, we don't want to open that up. Like it's, whoa, that's a dark thing. I I feel like a lot of people don't even want to ask a friend or they're like, oh, I don't want to bother them. And yeah, no, bother them. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so, it's so like, Walter, how Mm. many times have you been asked Oh, you you were in the army. Do you have PTSD? Mm. I I feel like I get asked that like constantly. Do you get asked that a lot? Wow, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so like, no. yeah. Like when people like realize like, oh, she was uh, honestly. Military, um, they're like, oh, do you have PTSD? I'm like, oh, that's odd. <laughs> that's an odd question to just ask. I have about. I've heard that. Um, well, yeah. It, it to be honest, like it's rare. Like when I've been asked, like, mm. oh. But I, I remember one time in college when I came back, when I went back to college after uh, Iraq, the one of the, my coworkers, because I was like stud- working and studying at the same time, one of my coworkers was like, wow, you seem like really well adjusted for uh, a soldier who just came back from Iraq. Like, I would have never guessed you're a soldier. I'm like, Oof. What did you wow. think? Yeah. Like we would that act like totally yeah. would have made me so angry, and I was really <laughs> angry when I came back. <laughs> I, I needed to decompress. Oh like I, I had a rough. Uh, oh wow! Patient population mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> during deployment, wow. it was intense. But yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's it's. I think there is that stereotype, which is, uh, and this is I'm gonna come from a different part on this. It's like I feel bad in a sense too, because like there's almost a stereotype that like just because you're a soldier, you have PTSD, mm. right? Which is kind of like it's great that we're addressing it, but I I feel like there's also that other part that like now everyone's going to stereotype soldiers yeah. or veterans that, oh, you're a veteran, you must have some form of PTSD. Mm. And I feel like, no, that's not, you know, that's not all of us. Like a, lot, a good amount of us are, you know, we've 
we have a support group or we're able yeah. to handle it and it's or it's just in you know whether or we just it just it doesn't we don't function that way you know so and PTSD mm -hmm. can come from any kind of traumatic yeah. event it could be from a car accident to being raped violence um you know I hate fire still yeah. <laughs> I still hate fire. Well, that's a that's a phobia at that point. I, I yeah. think, yes, I might have a phobia. Of fire. <laughs> I was in a fire accident two years ago. Oh my God, yeah, no. Take my surprise. It was an act of God. Oh, and now I'm in entertainment. <laughs> it's like the hound in Game of Thrones. Right? <laughs> I mean, no. I feel him the most. Oh. If I was any character in Game of Thrones, really? I would be the hound. I feel you, dude. I feel you. Man. If you were a character in Game of Thrones, what, which one would you be? Oh my God, Daenerys Targaryen for oh, sure. Oh, I could see that. Mm. <laughs> That's my girl right there. You? I mean, <laughs> you already know. Oh, <laughs> and cue in the photo. The King of the North. <laughs> oh. During one of our film creative meetings, so Walter, we thought he was going to deploy to Poland, and I had made one comment to him, like when he had, you know, told me, and mm -hmm. I was like, "Dude, it'd be so awesome if you had like the the um, the cape, like part of like oh the, Night's the Night's Watch." Watch. <laughs> and if you, I was like, "Dude, if you wear that over your uniform and take a photo in the middle of nowhere, Poland, <laughs> I would be so that happy." That would be amazing. And so, yeah. so we awesome. talked about it once. And then months later, right? Like maybe two months later. Yeah, you took a months. photo? Like, oh, we, I had a costume <laughs> made. And he had no idea. And then yeah. during the film creative meeting, I was like, Walter Talon, step up. <laughs> so, and we oh knighted him. Like we played the theme yeah. song and everything. It was amazing. Lord, That's Amanda. amazing. I need to see that. You show me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Ryan will pull it up here yes, somewhere. Yes, I have a boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really appreciated you for that. And I was just, yes. just sad that it didn't happen because for other, not on my part, it's somewhere. <laughs> You have an awesome Halloween costume now. <laughs> yes, and I actually have a sword that I can oh, attach with. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh, dang, okay, cool. Wow. Yeah. But Daenerys Targaryen. Oh yeah, I was her for Halloween like maybe two years ago. We what? Really? Mm -hmm. Can we put I a picture? Like a yeah, oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. I'm I'm a photo. Okay. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. You had the blonde hair and everything. I did. Yeah, I had a blonde wig. Wait, which costume were you? Um, it was the one where she has like a blue, she was wearing like, she has her blue cape, the whole like blue oh, outfit deck. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. Awesome. Not, not season one. No. 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 <laughs> she no. remember like no. not when she was poor like that. <laughs> not that season one. <laughs> when she was all like a powerful badass woman. Like, yeah. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where do we go from there from Game of Thrones? I mean, drop the mic. <laughs> uh, mental health version yes. of Game of Thrones. Oh my God. I mean, that's a whole bag. That's do we even oh really want to get into? Yeah, <laughs> if we talk about Cersei, oh. Woo. Woo. Oh. she's got a lot. She's, <laughs> she's got yeah. a lot. Actually, that would be an interesting um, <laughs> analysis. Just the, the oh, mental yeah, like health, mental and health analysis of Game of Thrones. <gasps> Oh, that would you guys take. heard it that here first. Really I have a bunch of friends that are psych nurse practitioners. Ooh. Come on, because I mean Make they've done happen. the you know there's the Winnie the Pooh one, right? The what? Like yeah, Winnie the Pooh is like a DSM four um, like analysis of like. Wait, kind I of saw this. There was like an Instagram. Yeah. Uh, like not a meme, but a, a graphic mm -hmm. thing of like the different, the different Winnie the Pooh characters. Oh, oh, the characters. Health. Oh, okay. I was like all Probably. in Winnie the Pooh. He's like so bubbly. 
Well, yeah, he's he has a mental health also. What's I, his I thing? Forgot what, I can't exactly remember. I just remember I just, Igor's depression. Igor's oh, depression. Oh, yeah, for sure. Tigger oh, my gosh. ADHD. No, Tigger bipolar. Or ADHD. I, get, I could see. Yeah. yeah. But I could see either. Yeah. yeah. And then... Which uh, is Winnie the Pooh? I, because he's like gluttonous. It's like something would do with this... Uh, he's narcissist? An eating disorder, right? I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, honey? What? <laughs> That's what Wait, I didn't make this thing. We'll show it. We'll, to, we'll yeah, show it here. Cue yeah. the me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it was an interesting like uh, yeah, article. So I'm, I'm pretty. Sure, I can't imagine a Game of Thrones one. So yes. there would be. Oh gosh, there's so many characters too. I mean, it, it would be great because then everybody would talk about it more. You sure, know, make that meme. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, actually, what I wanted to bring was like. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel like, I mean, because I th- I've also come to realize too that, you know, aside from Asia or being Asian, like we don't talk about mental health, but um, whether it's mental health or even suicide, like it's viewed differently uh, in Asia and in Western societies. And I think that part of that has to do with like religious background. Mm, also, yeah, like definitely. you go into like Japan, you know, has that the suicide forest and then but because of our judeo-christian background and like a lot of western societies and america and the filipino culture with spanish colonization that's also a different like we see it differently mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. um with in in some of your projects or films do you got do you sort of talk about that or uh, how how do you perceive that um well no i think that's like definitely true because in I just, I was just talking about this with someone. Um, I wrote a spec uh, for Black Mirror and it took place in Tokyo. It's about mental health and they're like, it's in like the near future. Oh my gosh, should I talk about this? Cause like I submitted this for uh, Riders on the Verge. <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, okay. So in, in when I was doing research about Tokyo and their suicide rates and their history of mental health, um, in Tokyo, they see suicide as like, it's not, as really shameful as like how we would perceive it here in America and in other Asian cultures. For them, it's like they've had a history of um, the samurai or right, yeah. And so to them, it's like it's kind of like an honorable act. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know it's really interesting to see that like that history and how it's differed from even in the Asian cultures. Yeah, and I mean even. Before I read this book, um, I found it like in the library. Like it's one of those. It's a really. It's a. It was published in 1910, and mm-hmm. it was by these anthropologists uh, in the that came to the Philippines. It's called Savage Gentlemen, out of print, but it's like one of my favorite like vintage collection books. But in there, it's like it's a it's a story actually about like these anthropologists who race to chronicle or like visit these like uh, tribes in Philippines, mm-hmm. and. Uh, before the Americans like get to them, this is like colo- Amer- Philippine American colonialism time, mm-hmm. right? And there's a small part in the story where he's like, they kind of talk about the mental health in like these tribes and like some people like how th- some of them snap. And it, was, it really mm-hmm. stuck. It just stuck with me, like because the, the anthropologist was talking about like, yeah, and this one tribe, like this, they tell the story of this one guy who just gets up from a tree and like picks up his bolo or machete and just like attack someone from his tribe for no reason and and they were just like you know even then there was some form of like just mental health problems or issues or you know that and even those anthropologists were like i we don't understand Mm. what's going on or like how this came about and 
and I, I have to go back to the book, but I, I mean, even then I, they were just really perplexed and I can't even imagine the tr the the tribe itself, like how they viewed. You know, it was yeah. kind of fascinating. Like yeah. I wondered, like how they would treat something like that. And I think they talked about like what they did with the guy afterwards. But what was is a, this called? Uh, Savage Gentleman. Savage it's Gentleman. A, I'm gonna check that out. That's yeah. interesting. It's. A, I mean, hopefully. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, like mental health there. has been around for forever since we were alive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. since forever. And, and that's. It's so interesting that like, oh, is it only now that like it's really become. It's, really getting into like this um which is good it's great that like now we're really like pushing the conversation but like it's taking this it's taken this long when like this is not a new thing at all right mm -hmm. you know totally but you know i'm glad that like now we're and and even this like having this podcast and there's more yeah i think you were speaking to it earlier about like this generation and and moving forward we're really like you know being more open and like and I think as a society and as a community, we're more, you know, pushing for like, let's let's just be open and have this like, we're all human. And the thing with mental health is that really everyone can relate to it because honestly, like this is, so for this, <laughs> this new web series I'm working on about mental health, crazy, our tagline is, so it's called crazy, but the tagline is just like you, because mm -hmm. honestly, we all that. are a little crazy, <laughs> <laughs> but we just all have different types of crazy. And you know, there are You're some- You're my kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You're my kind of crazy, Walter. It's okay. But, yeah, that's the thing is like, we all are. Some of us are just a little more crazier than others. And some of us some are, are just more diagnosed. Some are extra. More, more of us are extra crazy. <laughs> I'm a little extra crazy, um, but own it. <laughs> but yeah, and then some of us are like diagnosable. And there's this thing too, even within the mental health community where um, my writing partner, she has like symptoms of other um, other disorders, but she's not diagnosable because she's not, oh, you only meet, you meet this much criteria, but not all of it or mm -hmm. not enough of it, you know? But it's like, but, she, but that doesn't make her experiences and her symptoms invalid. It's still valid for sure. And, and what she goes through is still valid, but it's just not like on that level of diagnosable. Yeah, and I feel like, uh, and I, I just, as a, as an Asian American male uh, and someone from the military, like I, I also have to recognize that I have some ignorance on it. Like, and you know, it took me a while to like come own up to it that I'm like, mm. hey, because you know, I that I didn't completely understand or even uh, sympathize sometimes or in the past, like I just don't understand it. And and I think people, you know, that's people need to recognize that also that mm -hmm. they just sometimes need to listen or understand it, even though it's like outside of their it's outside of their comfort or zone, comfort zone. Yeah. like um so yeah and i mean thank you very much for talking about that and hopefully people there's people out there who watch this that's that was just like me how i was like years ago or a few mm. you know could even be years ago or I'm last so week i don't know i'm excited for more of your stories to <laughs> just be shared Thanks. and and especially on film because it really does make a big difference to see yeah. some like a story of quality not something cheesy or yeah. stereotypical like i don't i can't even tell you how many war films i've seen where it's like oh, no. oh they're they're walking through and like oh what's cereal in the grocery <laughs> store it's like dude 
we eat more than just cereal guys like, like i don't know it's just it's so it's so frustrating yeah. um to to have all those stereotypes and and so please keep making more content we would love oh, to share I it will. with everybody and hopefully we help more people out you know yeah. you guys need to call your friends make sure they're yes, doing all right check in on your friends and like don't be afraid honestly because that's the one the biggest thing for us is having that amazing support system and so you know just love more just go love more okay yeah and do that. just yeah thank you and because you the stuff that you do will help educate guys or dudes or girls like <laughs> me who just need to understand or should understand that more so thank you and thank you for coming to philam creatives yeah, voices thanks for having me guys thanks for watching this is rachel Laco. you guys are watching philam creative oh how do they follow you <laughs> Real quick, oh, sorry. <laughs> really quick tangent, guys. But I just really want to make sure you guys know how to follow her and like how you guys can find her because she puts out some, she has some really good things to say. So. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, you can follow me on the gram at uh, Rachel dot and on Twitter Rachel Laco. You can. Where else can you find me? Facebook. I'm on there. Official Rachel Laco. You can Google me. I'm sure everything will pop up there. So, yeah. <laughs> Follow me. The Googles. Oh, yeah. I'm also working on a mental health documentary as well. So a lot oh, of the awesome. stuff I'm working on mental health right now. So cool. Yeah. Make sure you follow. Awesome. So again, thank you. Thank you so much Thanks. for coming out here and talking about such an important topic. Uh, follow Phil Am Creative on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. Make sure follow. you subscribe, subscribe and share and follow Rachel Laco. And there's also Phil Am Creative Voices on Instagram and Twitter. Check us out. So, yeah, I'm Walter Talents. I'm Arlene De La Pena. And you guys just watched Phil Am Creative's Voices. Today's episode brought to you by the good folks at Filipino Worker Center. From the heart of historic Filipino town, PwC focuses on providing programs that help meet the immediate needs of workers and their families, while at the same time building their leadership to take collective action for long-lasting change. This episode of Voices brought to you by our wonderful and talented cast and crew. Director Rodney Cujudo, producer and host Walter Talens, producer and host Arlene De La Pena, Producer, Director of Photography, Winston Fernando. Producer, Sound Design and Social Media, Charles Gray. Cam Ops, Paolo Artesilia, Cheryl Nathan. Production Coordinator and Staff Writer, Ronnie Kenyeso. Production Assistant, Rachel Ann Kuwilan. And BTS Photography and Videography by Ren Arietta.